Amen. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, worship team. Let's give it up for these guys behind me here. Thank you all so much for leading us in God's presence. So good. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell them they look good this morning. Go ahead. Just tell them they look good. You look great, guys. I can see all of you. You look amazing. <laughs> so good. You look great back there, Joel. Sam, you look great. All right, well, good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for coming to church. My name is Mitchell, and I'm the lead pastor here, and so glad you guys decided to come to Antioch this morning. I'm excited to jump into the message in just a little bit, but let me uh, give a couple uh, announcements and reminders. So for those of you that are guests here, um, I think Maggie mentioned this at the beginning of the service. There's a little Connect card that should be in the seat back right in front of you. Fill that out, or there's a little QR code on it. You can take a picture of that if you want to fill it out online. And then we have a gift for you that we'd love to give you as you're on your way out. A little gift bag has a little notebook and a pen, some stickers and stuff, and we'd love to connect with you about how you can get more involved here at Antioch. So that's right after the service. But a couple other things that are coming up. Um, one is the send. Everybody say the send. Okay, Maggie mentioned it earlier, but it's a big, huge uh, conference, I'll call it, that's happening on May 14th, so a couple Saturdays from now in Kansas City. And this is going to be like a historic gathering of tens of thousands of believers all over our nation and even a few outside of our nation that are coming to spend a whole day in worship and in prayer contending for God's purposes and what he wants to do in our nation. And let me just ask you guys this question. If God fully had his way in our nation, do you think there would be a few things different? <laughs> yes, there would be a lot of things different. And we as a people of God have this amazing opportunity and this invitation, and even I would add the word responsibility, as the people of God to come before him. The throne of God is throne of grace we talked about a few weeks ago, and just ask him for his kingdom to come as for his will to be done, and for him, him to restore and send revival and awaken our nation and turn people back to the Lord. And that's what we're, that's kind of the focus of what we're doing at the Send, and it's only a few hours away, so I encourage you guys to try to make the drive up there, at least for part of that day, worship and pray, and be with other believers from all over our nation. So that's happening. Uh, another thing is, um, I'm going to talk about our uh, Antioch Discipleship School. If you've done our Antioch Discipleship School, just raise your hand or shout or something right here. Okay, raise it up. All right. Great, great, great. So the applications for our discipleship school are now open. The school is from September till about May with a two-week trip at the end of that. Uh, we just announced recently to some of our folks, but the, uh, the Keith, Sam and Maggie Keith, are going to be taking on the school and leading it next year. So we're excited about. Madeline and Larry Jones, you get to hear from Larry in a little bit. They've been leading the school the last couple of years. Did an incredible job. They're transitioning. they got baby three on the way uh, this, due this summer, July what? July 30th, so they're going to be taking a break from doing the discipleship school and investing in their family, uh, but the kids are going to do a great job. The applications are open if you are interested at all about learning more or if you are interested in devoting uh, about a nine to ten month uh, span of time to just be stretched and be challenged in the things of the Lord. The discipleship school is for anybody everybody that wants to grow in their relationship with God and to build disciplines that will last you for a lifetime. So I want to encourage us, if you haven't considered it yet, to consider, pray about it, and then you can find more inf information online. Another thing that I want to announce this morning is that um, the summer's coming up. Who's excited for the summer? Anybody besides me? I'm so glad summer's coming. And hopefully more of the weather yesterday and today will remain in Jesus' name. But uh, sun, you know, who likes the sun? Anybody? I like the sun a lot. All right, so this summer... Is um, summer's a unique time because so many of you guys are going to be traveling, going to be in and out of town. Some of our, a lot of our college students are going to be going back home. And so we're thinking creatively how can we have something that 
kind of keeps us together, even though there's so much things that are out of normal rhythm. And one simple plan that we're going to be rolling out in two weeks from now, starting May 5th, is a little summer Bible reading plan that we want to encourage you guys to consider doing. We're going to be reading through all four Gospels, just one chapter a day. Everybody say one chapter a day. It's doable. We're going to, with the Welch family, we're going to do it all together, but uh, we're going to have a little summer reading plan reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want to encourage you guys to jump along. It'll just be a simple way for us to do something together throughout the whole summer, May 15th through, I think, August 14th, one chapter a day. Okay, y'all good? Last but not least, got an announcement of who's preaching this morning, and it is not myself. Uh, And uh, (laughs) someone's excited, I think, back there. and so I'm going to invite up in just a minute Larry Jones. So a lot of you guys know Larry. Uh, again, he and his wife have been leading the discipleship school the last couple years. But Larry just recently, in the last couple of months, came on staff as our new executive pastor. He's handling a lot of the operational things uh, in regards to our church, but also just a mighty man of God that's integrous and full of wisdom and full of the Spirit of God. And he's going to preach a word this morning. So y'all help me give it up for Larry Jones. Come on, Larry. I'm going to pray for Larry. Y'all can agree with me. It's kind of broken. I'll get the executive pastor to fix it later, all right? All right. Lord, we thank you for Larry, and we thank you for the message you've given him this morning, and I just pray you would speak through him. And Lord, we ask you to open our hearts to receive this message this morning, Lord. There is something that I believe you have for every single one of us in this room, and God, would we hear it, and would we receive it, would it change our lives? So thank you for Larry. Bless him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Hey guys, welcome to church this morning. I'm glad that you are here. It's going to be a good morning. It's already been a good morning and it's going to continue being a good morning this morning. Stack those guys up. Uh, If I said I wasn't nervous, I'd be lying to you. I'm a little nervous. It's the first message I'm preaching in front of church, but uh, I'm excited. I really am because I feel like God's given me something to share with us that's going to encourage and build us up and make us stronger together as a church. So um, I'll start really briefly. My name is Larry. Like Mitchell said, I'm the executive pastor here. I started back in February, and I'm just now getting to step into what my job will actually be uh, because of the remodel that was happening in the church for several months. Uh, But we're here, and I'm starting it, and it's fun because I get to do two jobs under one umbrella in the same year, and so I'm getting to figure that out. Um, But I'll share a brief testimony with you of my life if you don't know me. I grew up with my mom and my sister. My parents divorced when I was four years old. My dad was in the picture, but lived a few hours away, so I saw him, no hearts feeling toward him. We have a great relationship, Um, but I grew up with my mom and my sister specifically, and my mom was faithful to take me and my sister to church every single week uh, as we were growing up, even when I didn't want to go, or we didn't want to go, and we tried to fight it. Uh, She always took us, and I'm so thankful, because it was at uh, church that I met Jesus and learned about Jesus, and when I was around eight years old, I went to a summer camp. And that's where I remember giving my life to Jesus and saying, wow, I really actually believe that you're Lord. And did that change my whole life? No, not at the time. Um, I I don't think I really fully understand uh, or understood what I was committing to at the time. Um, But fast forward several years later, after my sophomore year of high school, I went to another, actually two summer camps that summer, uh, Christian summer camps. And that is when I met people that were around my age that were actually pursuing Jesus and loved him. And um, something shifted in me that summer, and I got a hunger for the things of God and realized, wow, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to commit it to Jesus. And 
And there was random impacts that happened in my life um, specific to that summer. Uh, for example, right when I went back home from the summer camps that summer, I had the whole summer and didn't have a lot going on, but my uncle owned a fireworks stand, and he needed basically cheap labor to run the fireworks stand, <laughs> and I was his, uh, I was his cheap labor, um, and he would set it out for a few weeks before the 4th of July would happen, and you know, no one buys fireworks until the 4th of July or the 3rd of July, and so I sat in the sand just where people would know, okay, there's a fireworks stand here, I'll come back uh, last minute and I'll buy some fireworks. And so I was in there in the fireworks stand by myself all day doing nothing, just twiddling my thumbs. Um, or that was my, I guess I didn't really have a plan, but that's probably what I would have done. But after the summer camp, I had a hunger for the things of God. And so I just would take my Bible up there. And I started in Genesis and would just start reading about the things of God. Intrigued, wanted to know more, wanted to know more about him and who he was. Um, and it was just, a, that was a simple uh, example of things in my life starting to shift as I committed myself um, to following Jesus, uh, to actually following Jesus and living for him and spending time with him and not just uh, going to church on a Sunday morning. So, um, the, and so that's when my life really started to change. Fast forward a handful of years more in 2012, uh, I ended up at Antioch in College Station, Texas, and it was there a few, uh, that I met my wife. We got married a few years later and she's right here on the front row, and she's awesome, and she's my best friend by far, and we now have three kids, well, two kids. Uh, we have Truett. He's three, and he's a lot of fun. He actually has a black eye, so if you see a kid with a black eye today, that's my kid. <laughs> he got that one last night. It was, uh, it was pretty funny. Well, kind of crazy. Not, not too funny. A little sad. Um, and then we also have another kid, uh, Everly. She's adorable. She's going to be two in August. And then, like Mitchell mentioned, we have one on the way due at the end of July this summer. And so we're so pumped uh, for our family to continue growing and to see what it looks like to have more kids than us. So we're, we're officially about to be outnumbered. And so I'm excited and nervous about how that's going to go. Um, but I'm so thankful uh, for Jesus and what he's done in my life. Uh, not just with giving me an amazing family that I love um, and trust with my life, but also that he has saved me. Um, and I guess I didn't share much of my testimony, but he saved me from lust. Um, it consumed my life. He, he saved me from insecurity that consumed my life. And he has set me free um, and breathed life on every part of my life. And so it's been a journey of just being refined by him and brought me to here, being on staff today, which is kind of fun, and I feel undeserving and not qualified, and that's okay, um, because his grace is all my life, so. So, um, we've been going through a series called Living for Eternity, and we're going to continue that today. Uh, this is week five of this series. The first week was an overview that Mitchell gave, kind of giving us a higher vision, a higher perspective um, for living for eternity and not just living uh, and, can, and using our lives to consume things here and now, but really focus on what's to come. Week two, we talked about uh, the judgment seat of Christ, and we talked about what it's going to look like for us to stand before God and give an account for our life and how we can approach that day not in fear, but we can use our life now to prepare for that day where we get to stand before him and say, Wow, God, I did, like, these are, these are the things that I did with my life. These are the ways that I stewarded and took care of my life because of what you did. Um, and so that's a joyous day that we get to stand uh, before Jesus uh, at the judgment seat. And then the third week was Easter, and we talked about a verse in First Peter 
uh, that we have a living hope, uh, which is good news. Is anybody thankful that we have a living hope? We have a living hope in Jesus. We don't have a dead hope. He did die and took all of our sin to the cross, and he gave us life. He rose again, defeated death, conquered sin, and now we get to live uh, with a living hope in Jesus. And then last week, we talked about the power and significance of our words, which was such a rich message and a helpful reminder that every word that we speak, we're going to give account for to Jesus. There's a verse, I think it's in Matthew, that says that we're going to give an account for every word that comes out of our mouth. And then we also uh, talked a little bit last week about the words that were spoken against us and how we can respond uh, to those words in a healthy manner um, that's honoring to God. And today, we're going to continue, and we're going to jump into talking about our giftings specifically. So today, we're going to continue a series going through First and Second Peter. Uh, we're going to be uh, kind of parked in First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 11, talking about the theme of eternity and what it has to say regarding the gifts that we've been given. And my hope by the end of today is that we all know some of the gifts that we've been given by God. So we're going to discover those together. And my hope is that you are envisioned and equipped as you leave this place to use and put into practice those gifts to serve one another and to serve our church. Cool? So why don't you pray, bow your heads, and we're going to pray and pray with me, and then we're going to jump in. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your grace this morning for us. Thank you that your mercies are new for us, and so it doesn't matter uh, what place we're coming into this room from, what, what happened yesterday in our life, uh, but your grace and your mercy are new for us today. And I ask that you would speak really clearly to us, and that we would be charged and motivated to action um, by the words that are in the Bible. Um, and I ask that um, we would understand the eternal significance of our callings uh, regarding using our gifts to glorify you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. All right, if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. It will also be on the screen behind me. I'm going to go ahead and read it for us. It says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So uh, we can notice right there at the beginning, Peter starts this chunk of the passage by saying, the end of all things is at hand, therefore. And when you see therefore, it's uh, pretty helpful because it says, all right, the things that are following, therefore, are all pointing back to the end being at hand. And so a couple of things that it says, uh, which I think we have on a list here, it says, be, con uh, be self-controlled and sober-minded, love one another earnestly, Show hospitality and use your gifts to serve one another. So these are like four main things following the therefore. So according to Peter, it's pretty important that we're doing these things. Specifically, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about gifts. So it's pretty important that we're using our gifts since the end is since the end of all things is at hand. Um, and so, in light of eternity. Our gifts are significantly important, and the reason is because our gifts are used to serve one another, and as we use our gifts 
to serve one another, it builds us up as a church, and it refines us as a church, and it makes us as a church more pure for the day of the Lord's return. And so as we're using our gifts, the eternal significance is that it is purifying us as the bride of Christ for Jesus to come back. And how many of you want to have a pure, want to be a part of the pure bride of Christ for Jesus' return? Amen. Um, amen. And so if our gifts uh, are significant based on eternity, then I think it's wise for us to consider the things that are in this passage. And it's wise for us to dig into the gifts, to figure out what gifts we have and how we can use them um, to serve one another because it really is preparing us for the end. And I'm not saying the end is coming soon, but Peter kind of does say that. And so it's, it's sooner today than it was yesterday, and it's sooner tomorrow than it is today. And so it's helpful for us to consider these things um, regarding our gifts. And so before we jump into the passage a little bit more, I'm going to show you a list of a handful of gifts that are pulled straight out of Scripture. Here they are. There's also um, a verse, I mean a verse, a link there. <laughs> Um, that has a bunch of, it lists all these gifts on that download link. It's a PDF, and with each of those verses, it has references, so you can see where they're from in the Bible. They're not just, um, they're not just random gifts that I decided needed to go on a screen. <laughs> they're actually from the Word of God, and so uh, you can go ahead and type that link down or take a picture of these gifts if you would like, um, and then also on the next slide here, there is a QR code, so if you'd pull out your phone, go ahead and actually scan this QR code. This is going to be helpful for later. It's not for now, but it is for later. And this QR code will take you to a spiritual gifts assessment test online. And this test, I think it's like 60-something questions. I did it this past week. And it's really simple. You're just filling it out kind of like a, um, like a Myers-Briggs type test or an Enneagram type test where you're just filling it out, and it's going to share with you what could be some of your spiritual gifts. And this is not conclusive. It's not 100% accurate. Don't live by what this says. But this is a helpful gauge and a helpful starting place. Uh, it could be a really helpful starting place to say, oh, wow, these might be some of the gifts based on some of the qualities that you have been given by God. Cool? And just a reminder, don't do that right now. You'll have time at the end of service. So if you're tempted, put your phone underneath your chair. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit from the Word of God, uh, more so than a test from man. Cool? Great. Hopefully that was enough to get you to put your phone under your chair. Um, okay, let's jump into 1 Peter uh, chapter 4. Uh, so based on verses 7 through 11, I've compiled a list of five things that we're going to kind of work through this morning in regards specifically to what the verses have to say about our gifts. So here's the slide here. Uh, the first one is that each one of us has received a gift, at least one. Uh, number two, gifts are not just for yourself, but they're used to serve. Number three, gifts are representations of his grace. Number four, we are called to be good stewards in the context of our gifts. And number five, the purpose is that God may be glorified. And so we're going to jump into the first one there, that each one of us has received a gift. That's pulled from verse 10. If you question any of these points, just read verse 10 and 11 again, First Peter 4, um, and it will confirm all of them for you. <laughs> but the first one here says, each one of us has received a gift. And we also see it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, which I 
think might be on the screen here. It says, all of these are empowered by one spirit. All of these talking about the gifts that were just listed uh, before verse 11 in, in this passage. It says, e- all of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so from this verse and from the verse in First Peter, we see pretty clearly, or at least I see pretty clearly, that we've each been given a gift. It uses that word twice, that he apportions to each one of us, and that we also each have received a gift. So I think this is important to know that we all have gifts from God. Um, that's it's such a simple point, and that's about as simple as I can get it, that we have been given gifts from God. And... Um, and it's not, it's not that we, uh, it's, it doesn't say like if we receive a gift from God or when we receive a gift from God, but it says that we've already received them, that we each have gifts from God, meaning that nobody is excluded from receiving gifts. So if you feel insignificant or you feel like you don't have a gift, that is actually not true based on what we just read. We all have gifts. And so if you feel that way, I'll give you a helpful exercise at the end of this, uh, talking about this point specifically that we can do um, to help remind yourself of the truth that we receive gifts from God. And a really cool story that I have to share from this specifically about us each having a gift is about Truett. Truett, like I said, is three years old, and he is not too young to have gifts from God. And Truett, so as a family, one thing that we do is if there's ever uh, someone in our family that's hurt or, um, which I guess is great, great for right now because Truett has a black eye. So anytime somebody's hurt or sick or not feeling well, has any kind of ailment, we as a family always lay our hands on them and we pray for them for healing because we believe that Jesus is a healer and we believe that he's the same God that he was in the Bible. And so we stand on that and we believe in it. And so we do it with our kids and we do it with each other. And so if we see some sickness in our family, we're going to pray for it. And it's a really simple prayer that Madeline started doing with Truett and he has kind of taken on the mantle or the, the ownership of praying for people when they're sick, even without prompting, which is amazing because he's three years old. Um, but she says, or he'll say, Father God, will you heal mommy's headache in the name of Jesus? Amen. And it's not this like crazy prayer. That's how he prays. Very simple, just really repeating what Madeline has said. But he's a child and he has such high faith for God to do it because he doesn't have years and years of experience that say anything different. He has years of experience, three years of experience seeing that God actually does heal because he's seen it happen. And so what's really miraculous is that in my recent memory alone, there's been three specific times that Truett has prayed for healing and we've seen it manifest physically. We've seen the Holy Spirit through his prayer actually move and heal. And it's been a stomach ache or a headache or Madeline hitting her hand on something and it hurting and the soreness going away immediately. Um, We've seen healing happen through him. And so based on what we've seen, we believe that Truett has been given the gift of healing. And it's, man, it really is so fun to see like such a little guy have so much faith and to get to walk in the things of God, which builds up our family and it builds us up as a people as we see um, people stepping into their giftings. And um, what's really cool is that within the past year alone, if I looked at all the times I've prayed for somebody and seen them healed and compared that with Truett, not for comparison's sake, but he, there's been more healing that he has seen through praying than I have seen through he- praying. And not for comparison's sake, but I am 10 times older than Truett. I'm 30 years old and Truett is three years old. And so it's not a matter of 
how well do I know God? How many years have I been reading the Bible and studying the things of God? It's simply a gift of grace from God that he has given in a great measure to true it because that's the grace that he's given to him. And so, so cool that as we, um, as we just trust him and believe him at his word, we get to walk in the gifts that he has given us. And so, like I said, we're going to, uh, if, if this is something that's been hard for you or it's hard for you even to believe now or you can't think of any gifts that you've been given from God, we're going to do a simple declaration and we're going to do it together and then I would encourage you to do it individually as well. But we're all going to say in one voice, I have been given gifts from God. All right? Let's say it together. I have been given gifts from God. And this is not some weird spiritual phrase saying declaration. It's simply just speaking the truth over ourselves. If we just read that we all actually do have gifts, then it's simply just speaking truth over ourselves. And so if you don't believe it, keep saying it over yourself over and over again until the truth gets in you. And the Bible says in, I think, 2 Corinthians that we have, um, that we have, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, the, it says that, um, that, sorry, that the truth will set us free. That as we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And so as we know the truth, the truth is going to free us from our doubt, from our questions about if we actually have been given a gift from God, if we continue to speak it over us, because it actually is true. So it's not some like weird thing that we do. It's simply just let's tell ourselves the truth over and over, which is similar for a lot of us. We, ne- we need to hear the gospel over and over again. Okay, Jesus died for my sins. Just reminding our souls and our minds um, and our hearts that he is who he says he is. And so it's a practical, simple thing that we get to do is just speak truth over yourself until you believe it. So let's say it one more time. I have been given gifts from God. Wonderful. We all have gifts. All right, point number two. Gifts are not just for yourself, but they are to be used to serve. We see this in verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And we also see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. They say it this way. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so we see that from both of these verses, verse 10 and here in 1 Corinthians, it says that uh, the gifts are used to serve one another and that they're also used for the common good. And so, for example, if you have the gift of hospitality, then you should open your home up. You should invite your neighbors over. You should have dinner uh, with your neighbors. You should host a game night or a prayer and worship night. Or you can have a life group at your house. There's so many ways to serve. You have the gift of hospitality. And so if you have it, I would say use it. And if we all, if, if some of us had the gift of hospitality, but nobody was willing to use the gift of hospitality, then we would have a void in our midst. Like, it would be pretty hard to do life groups at homes if no one wanted to host a life group at their home. And I'm sure most of us in the room, if you've been to a life group, you have encountered God at life group and you've been changed or you've met community at life group or you've found breakthrough at life group or you've um, experienced uh, accountability and discipleship through life group. And so it's such a valuable piece for each one of us to be doing our part um, to use the gift that we've been given. Not that the house, the specific location is, is what helps us to get our breakthrough, but it's a piece of the story. Um, and so 
another gift, a gift of service. If you have the gift of service, there are so many ways that you can use your gift to serve our body and to make us look more like Jesus. So you can, once again, you can serve your neighbors, you can serve your coworkers, you can serve your roommates by doing the dishes, even though you don't want to. You can use it to serve in an international uh, student ministry. You can use it to serve the homeless. You can use it to serve here on a Sunday morning. There's This church operates on serving. <laughs> really, it does. We have a greeter team and a, parker t- a parking team and kids and worship, and it's, it's put together by a lot of people who are willing to choose to serve, and I think a lot of us have uh, the gift of service and can use it to benefit ourselves as a body. So what I'm saying here is use your gifts. If you know what your gift is, put it into practice. Use it to serve our church and use it to serve our region, our cities. And if, um, if you right now know some of your gifts, go ahead and start thinking, how can I, even this week, get really practical, how can I use my gifts specifically this week to serve? Or who can I specifically serve or bless with my gift this week? And I think it's going to prove to be really fruitful for you and for the people that you are serving. And if you don't know what your gifts are yet, that is okay. We're going to be working towards that the rest of today. So gifts are not just for yourself. They're used to serve other people. And this will help us to keep our eyes off of ourselves, which is great. <laughs> All right, number three, gifts are representations of his grace. We see this in verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. According to this verse, our gifts don't come from us or our abilities. They come specifically from the grace of God. And it has nothing to do with us. It's not something that we've worked up uh, or mustered up on our own or practiced enough times. And so now we have that gift. It's a gift that we haven't earned or done anything for. It's a gift from the grace of God. In verse Corinthians, um, there's a place in 1 Corinthians that says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And uh, that is a, such a good verse. It's actually a really helpful verse if you've ever dealt with uh, comparison in any way or looked at other people and been like, man, I wish I had that or I wish I had that. This verse says, earnestly desire the gifts. So you can let this redeem the comparison thoughts and you can say, God, I really actually want that gift. And you can earnestly petition to God and pray to him and ask him for that gift. Um, but ultimately, it's not your asking for how you get a gift. It's the grace of God giving it. So it's him um, that apportions the gifts to us. And so uh, another really cool thing about uh, it being about his grace is that as we put into practice gifts that we've been given, it's actually a testimony of the grace of God. Um, for example, this building there were a handful of people that put in a lot of time on this building, like Heath Redding put in a bunch of time in this building serving to make it look as pretty as it looks. And Heath, I would say, has the gift of craftsmanship. And it's one of the gifts from the list. It's found in the Old Testament. And he has that gift. And one way that he chose to serve our body is by coming and spending a lot of time, a lot of hours, a lot of sweat, um, maybe not any tears, I don't know, but <laughs> um, maybe some blood too, uh, to, to come and make this building look the way it does. And what's so awesome is when we walk into the building, we get to say, wow, God, you are so good. You have so much grace on us as a body. Like you've given us people who have the gift of craftsmanship so that we can work and make this building look the way it does on the budget w- we were working with. This is amazing. Thank you, God. And so as we use our gifts, they're a testimony of God's grace. 
And so as we see different people with different gifts, we can say, wow, thank you, God, that they have that gift. Like, thank you, God, for the greens, for opening their house for young adults every single week and being hospitable and making meals for them or snacks for them. Or I, I heard they make food for life group. That's amazing. <laughs> or for the Pauls, opening up their house for family life group. How wonderful. Kids are crazy, and they play with a lot of things, and they make big messes. And the Pauls joyfully open their house up every single week, and we don't always help them clean it up. And they they have the gift of hospitality, and they open their house, and they give us coffee, and they take care of us um, for our life group nights. And so it's so wonderful um, and a testimony of God's grace to see people in our body using their gifts. Romans 12:6 also has something to say about the grace of God uh, regarding gifts. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Just another helpful reminder that all of these gifts are given by his grace, and they all look different for each of us. We've all been given varied levels of his grace, as it says, and this is how he set it up, and it's beautiful as we're all walking in the gifts that he's given us. We're more complete together. There's like less lack. And if we all had the exact same gift, we would have a big hole. (laughs) Like we would have a great big hole um, from gifts that we didn't have that weren't being used. But it's set up by him that we're different. And so we don't have to look at other people and see what they have. We can just look to Jesus and see what he's given us and figure out how we can use it. And that will be the most beneficial thing we can do as a group of people and individually for yourself. You will be more whole if you don't look at other people's gifts. You'll be more whole if you look at what God's given you and you use it to serve him. So hopefully that's a helpful reminder that gifts are a representation of his grace. They're by his grace. They're not um, something that we muster up or something that we earn on our own. They're all from him. Point number four. We are called to be good stewards, uh, specifically in the context of our gifts. Um, Find this in verse 10 as well. We're actually called to be good stewards of everything we have and everything that we do um, and everything that we own. But this passage specifically mentions it in the context of gifts that we've received and says um, that we should be good stewards of them. And specifically, the way to be a good steward of the gift that you've been given is to use it. It's super simple. All we got to do is use it. And it's kind of reiterating the last point a little bit as well. Um, But a really helpful way to think about this is let's all think about a gift that we've really wanted, maybe we begged for as a kid to get for Christmas or for a birthday. Think of one of those gifts, because sometimes when we think of things spiritually, it it feels a little blurry, but if we think of things practically, physically, uh, it's helpful for us. So think of a gift that you really, really, really wanted, and if you're older now, maybe it's like an Instapot or something a little bit different. (laughs) But um, think of a gift and picture somebody going out during the busy holiday season, spending time, energy, and money to go and get this gift for you and bring it back, wrapping it, taking time to wrap it for you and put it under the tree or give it to you for your birthday. And you unwrap this gift and you're like, well, this is a cool gift. And then you just throw it on a shelf in your garage and let it collect dust or just throw it in your cabinet and you never touch it. Um, That is not what a gift is intended for. It's like supposed to be used and played with and enjoyed. And it's the same way with the gifts that are given to us by the grace of God. What good does it profit us as a group of people if God gives us a lot of gifts, but we don't ever use them or we don't ever activate them to serve the people around us? They're meant for serving one another, and that's how we can be a good steward. And again, if we aren't stewarding the gift that we're giving, it creates a hole in our body, and we, we can't be complete without everyone playing their part using the gifts that they've been given and being a good steward to use them. Um, this is 
Uh, I just read that. Um, verse, <laughs> verse in Second Timothy, for, uh, verse one six, it says it this way, and this is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, "I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God," and that's kind of like a that's that's what we get to do. That's what we get invited into is to fan into flame the gift of God, and to remi- and one way we could do that is to remind ourselves simply okay, what are the gifts that I have? Or God, what are the gifts that you've given me? Okay, God, how can I use these? How can I steward these gifts and use them? So to fan them into flame, to keep them on the forefront of your mind and to be actively using them um, and consider how can I be a good steward of this gift that I've been given? So we're called to be good stewards in the context of our gifts. All right, number five. The purpose is that God may be glorified. This is found in 1 Peter 4.11, and it says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And this is such a great final point because this far, looking at the, uh, the verses talking specifically about gifts are more about us and what we have. Of course, it does mention uh, that they're by the grace of God. But even as I've been talking, it's like, okay, let's look internally. What do I have? What can I offer? What can I do? What can I use to serve? And this kind of brings it all back to why. And it says that in everything, God may be glorified. And so that's what we get to focus on as like the final thing that Peter mentions in regards um, to the gifts in the end at hand in this passage is he says that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus. And I think this is a significant to note um, that he may be gl- glorified because that's the culmination of our whole lives is to bring God glory. It's not really about the gift that he gives us, uh, but it's about, it is about using it to glorify him, but it's to glorify him. It's not about what we get, we, we acquire through knowing God, although we acquire an abundance of things, but they're all used to point back to him. So even in talking about gifts today, it's a helpful reminder that the gifts that we receive are not for us. They are for other people, but ultimately they're to bring God glory. And so with that, I would exhort you to not allow your gifts or your gifting to distract you from the person of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus and obedience to Jesus actually supersedes any gift that you have. Obedience to him is more important than your giftings. And as an example, I will share a little story here uh, to close us out, Um, but I'll share an example from my own life, like my current life, like right now, right now, standing up here in front of you uh, preaching today. If you know me well at all, you probably don't even really have to know me that well to know that I would not prefer to be up here preaching. It's, it's not my forte. I wouldn't say that this is one of my strong suits. I wouldn't say that this is one of my uh, giftings necessarily is to be in front of a group of people. I would much rather not be stared at by 100 people. I would rather be one of the 100 staring at the one person. And, uh, <laughs> but here I am. And, and as uh, I got invited into taking this job as executive pastor, um, I feel like God made it really clear that, yes, I was supposed to take the job. And so I took the job. And my job for today means standing up here and teaching you guys and preaching. And although I wouldn't consider it my gifting, I think it's so valuable for us to choose obedience to him and follow what he's saying rather than what we feel like we've, uh, we have to, to offer to other people. And so we have to be willing to let uh, obedience take precedence over our gifting.
uh, 10 times, like 10 times out of 10, we have to let obedience take precedence over the giftings that we've been giving. And there's actually some really sweet promises that come when we just simply obey Jesus, even if we feel like we're not qualified. In 2 Corinthians, he says that our power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And so as I stand up here, feeling pretty weak in terms of my qualification to be up here or my gifting to be up here, his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And so we have an opportunity to step into that regardless of our giftings. Um, we listen to the voice of God and let it guide and direct our lives. And so when we simply obey regardless of our gifting, he actually receives a lot more glory too. Like how much more does he receive when we, when we choose simple obedience rather than saying, no God, I don't have this or I don't have that, so I'm going to do this instead, you know? I'm like going to follow the gifting that you talked about instead of just simply obeying you. Um, so that's like for me, I could have said, no, Mitchell, you know, not going to do it. <laughs> like I understand, but I'm executive pastor. I don't deal with, I, I deal with tasks. I do tasks. I don't preach. And that would have been a total miss on my part to say, no, not, not in my, not my strong suit, not going to do it. Um, and God gets the glory because he's strong in our weakness. He's strong when we are weak. Um, so the band can go ahead and come up and in closing, a great, a great way for us to start this journey or maybe to continue this journey regarding our gifts is to simply talk to God about them. And so before you even do a gifts assessment test or even read the list of gifts again and try to figure out where they're at in the Bible, I think it's valuable that we just simply ask God because um, he doesn't need those things to speak to our heart. Uh, he uses the word of God for sure, uh, but we can also hear his voice. And so there's going to be a couple journal questions on the screen. And I'm going to go ahead and read each of them out to you as well. But you can go ahead and throw them up. Oh, there they are. Perfect. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read them to us. And then we're going to take a little bit of time as the band uh, plays to respond to these questions. Number one, God, what are some of the gifts that you have given me? Number two, what are some practical ways that I can start using these gifts to serve others? And number three, what is one thing that you want for me to take away from today and apply from my life? from this message. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I would love for you to take out your journal, take out your phone on the notes app, and let's type down these questions and ask God about them, and I think it's going to prove to be really fruitful as we discover what our gifts are and we start to use them. And if you finish these questions, feel free to take the gifts assessment test or start digging into the different gifts that were listed on that PDF, and you can find out where they're at in the Bible and how they're used there as well. But I'm going to pray for us if you would like to bow your heads. <coughs> Jesus, I ask that we would hear your voice really clearly right now as we ask you these questions. I ask that you would speak to us, and ask that um, as you speak, that you would give us the grace to activate the gifts that we've received from you, to build up our church, uh, even to build us up and to purify us for the day of your return. I ask that we would understand the eternal significance of using the things that you've given us to serve one another. And I ask that our church would be built up and would be healthier, would be more pure for the day of your return um, as we use our gifts to serve each other, Jesus. So we love you, Jesus. We're thankful for your leadership and your goodness and your grace over us. We honor you in this place and we ask that you would speak. Praise in your name.